Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSport.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Good evening, sports fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL podcast, episode number 425. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, and we're here to talk football. Yes, the 2020 football season, CFL football season, is in full swing. Uh, We've had our free agency. We've got international combines happening around the world, 12 different countries or so. And going to all conclude, I guess, March 25th or something like that in Toronto with the major combine. Uh, This is great. yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about football, uh, CFL 2.0. Uh, I think we're going to do that later on in the in the uh, podcast. Uh, I haven't really read the reg- uh, Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Um, we'll get there. Yeah, I, I'm bringing it to the table no matter what. Anyhow, uh, we're talking about a bunch of things. We're going to talk about the stupid, uh, idiotic uh, idea of changes to the Rouge. Uh, Randy and Brosie's uh, cross-country road trip. Um uh, what NFL, CFL, PA? Oh, gee, touchdown Atlantic. Uh, thankfully, nothing about Halifax. Uh, team cat, our cat violations. Trevor Harris bounce back. Nah, that's not going to happen. Last word on sports. Does a top QBs of the last decade? Those are subject, some of the subjects we're going to deal with. But tonight uh, we had the pleasure of uh, Charles, myself, uh, had the pleasure of meeting Randy Ambrosi again. We both uh, have met him previously, but uh, had a meeting with him and uh, Rick Larrelochelle. Lair? I don't know. Anyhow, sorry, Rick. Uh, he's the president of the BC Lions. We had a very intimate meeting with him with about uh, 10, 15 people, and uh, it was spectacular. And we got a lot accomplished and everything else. And, uh, you know, what really bothers me is that, you know, the BC Lions put this out. They invited some key people, some different demographics, some new fans, some old fans, some uh, over the top fans, some uh, uh, Brian was there, the podcaster from BC Lions Den, and uh, myself and Charles and uh, and a few other people. And um, then you know we put out a, a post that says you know that, that we had a great meeting, everything was done, it was very productive, and and, and people are coming out of the woodworks getting their panties in a knot that they didn't get invited. I'm going, come on, really? And you know, I Arlene was a is a sweetheart at the best of times. Uh, the worst, don't mess with her. Uh, anyhow, no, uh, that's not what I meant. Um, but so, so she didn't take any any abuse for this one because uh, it was me. I put a post and everything else, and I definitely take it down if it was uh, inconveniencing her in any way, shape, or form. But, uh, you know, I just like, seriously, I'm sorry. You weren't invited. Deal with it. And uh, I hope that's uh, people can do that. I don't know. Maybe they can. Maybe they can't. We'll move on from this one. Uh, what else do we to talk about? Football. We're going to talk about football because why? It's it's football season, and uh, yeah, maybe we're not playing games yet, but there's a lot happening. BC Lions just introduced their their entire coaching staff. The coaches have reported to work. They're now planning the season. This is exciting. Things are happening. Training camp is what six weeks, eight weeks away? No, eight weeks away. Um, 
football season's upon us, and uh, we get to talk football. We're going to talk more football throughout the year. We're actually going to jump back to two episodes a week when the season starts. And uh, right now, we're just having some fun. Um, uh, hang on. Is, is this Phil giving me a number here? Phil wants to join us. Well, okay, I'll get him in here. While I'm doing that, I'm going to introduce Will McDonald. How you doing, buddy? Welcome to the show. I'm good. I'm all good. I'm waiting for football season, which is less than 100 days away, by the way. Oh, yeah, so, I know. Uh, last last week, Todd Mogi put up it's 100 days till season, so it, it's definitely yeah. less than that. And that's definitely yeah. a good thing, so I'm pretty excited about Options. that. That's, that's, that's cool. What just uh, happened? How many, games in, how many games into the season do you think it'll take before? Hello? Yeah, no, I'm here. I, did, I, I think I got Phil's answering machine. Is that what's happening? Phil, are you there? Oh. No, I'm going to delete this and, and phone him again. Okay, sorry, go ahead, Will. How many, how many games into the season do you think it's going to take for the Bomber fans to shut up? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, they win one great Seven, cup in eight, three years, nine, and you can't ten. shut the fuck up. It's ridiculous. Seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm hoping. I'm hoping because it's really making me sick. Well, you know, it, 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 I, you, you know my opinion of Zach Caleros, right? You do know my opinion. He's yeah. he's one of the yeah, best I, quarterbacks yeah. that we've seen in yeah. the last day. I when really seriously hope he's on that nothing field. happens to him. But if something right. happens to them, the, the bomber season is toast. Yeah, they're in tr- big trouble. They're in huge trouble. There's nobody that's going to come online that help them out this year okay so i think humbleness is a very important uh when you win a big event unfortunately there's two provinces in this in this country that cannot understand the concept of that and there's one province that doesn't understand the concept even when they're losing they can't be humble um so yeah we're just not going to go there and uh no that, yeah, I don't know. They win one game, one Grey Cup game in 30 years, and you can't shut the fuckers up. I don't know. I, I, it, it blows my mind. You're, you're correct. Charles, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? Hello. I'm doing well. Enjoy we had a good event night. last night. Thanks but for showing up. It was up. a great and, event last night. Yeah, yeah. I very much enjoyed that. Good, good. I'm glad, yep. I'm glad I could get you in there. I'm glad you did, because it was actually very, it was interesting, it was eye-opening. One of the things that I got from there is that I've been very skeptical um, about CFL 2.0, but having heard Randy Ambrosi explain it, and I'd never heard it explained that way, No, it actually makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that under Randy's road mm-hmm. trip, okay? And you, you're 100% correct. I'm, I'm on board. I'm a fan of, of that aspect of this now. And it, it makes a lot yep. of sense to me. But, yeah, it's a good event. Okay, yep. Phil, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hopefully Thanks, you're there. I did have your answering machine the first time. I think, thanks, I'm doing great. Yeah, I accidentally hung up on you there. <laughs> Thank you. You do that a lot. I am really excited. And sometimes I'm, you do I'm it on purpose. To... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm not even, I'm not even upset yet. No, I know, really. 
show has barely started. How can you hang on me already? Okay, go ahead. I am really excited to hear when we get to that part of the show, uh, what exactly turned you into CFL 2.0 proponents. So uh, that's that's what I'm looking forward to tonight. Cool. Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, I mean, I'm not jumping over the moon with it, and I, I, I don't know how successful it's going to be, but at least now it makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah. That the logic is there. Whether it can be executed the way that they want, I don't know yet. But uh, I, I, I do understand where he's going with it, and we, yep. we'll talk about that just in a little bit. Um, and we could talk about it right away if you want. We can just, uh, just flip one and two around because we can do that. We can talk about Randy's road trip right now. And uh, CFL 2.0 originally was the way that I it was introduced to us two years ago was that they were trying to find the diamonds in the rough football players in four countries, countries who play – uh, and, and I'm going to use the word mediocre football. Um, I can't really do that, but because you've never seen it, I can't make a comment on that. Uh, I do have uh, one of my friends on Facebook, and I, I I never remember his name. He used to be the in the BC Lions marketing department. He now runs a newspaper, an international football newspaper out of Sweden, and he uh, posts weekly about uh, the different leagues in 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 Europe. Um, there's eight or nine league professional football leagues in Germany alone. Um, there, there's a plethora of leagues all over the place. So yeah, you, you're going to find one or two players in Mexico or Germany or Japan that are going to be just absolutely stellar and they're going to make a CFL team. And I hope that that happens. I hope that we can find nine of them. So there can be one on each team. I understand that there's a roster spot this year for two. Okay. I'm not sold on this. I'm not, I don't want the quality of football to be deteriorated because we're bringing in mediocre players because we're obligated to do that. Okay. That was always been my sore point with the, this CFL 2.0. And then it was announced that we had signed two football, uh, two um, uh, television deals in Mexico for the CFL uh-huh. to be broadcast down in Mexico, and this would, uh, revenue stream is coming back to the CFL. Well, okay, now you've got me a little bit more excited. This makes sense, okay? And um, you're trying to bring in more money. It's, you know, it's not the $44 million a season from the TSN or whatever the hell they're, they're, they're making, uh, but it's, it's kind of exciting. Um, and they, we now have TV deals in Germany and Spain and one in Japan, I believe. I'm not sure. Um, don't quote me on this. Please don't start sending me emails saying I'm an idiot. I, it's just kind of things that I, I thought I had heard. Um, there was a lot of information that was given to us in a very short period of time. Right. Um, okay. So here's where I became a fan, or at least a proponent of it. Uh, the goal is never to bring in foreign players because we couldn't create them in Canada. The goal was never to create additional revenue from uh, media in other countries. The goal was to bring in a Japanese player, a German player, an Italian player, 
and then promote it to the Italian-Canadian community to create new fans to get them in the stadium cheering for their nation. That, to me, makes sense. That, to me, is doable. That, to me, is achievable. You get a Japanese kicker on this team, and now you have Japanese Canadians live in Canada, live in Vancouver or Toronto or wherever, are now becoming foot CFL football fans. Mm-hmm. And they're reaching out to those communities. They're reaching out to the consulates. They're reaching out to the Italian cultural center. They're reaching out to the German cultural center. They're reaching out to all these different type of people, trying to create new football fans that did not exist before. To me, that's brilliant. I can accept that. I can wrap my head around it, and I can support it. How else are you going to get them in there? What else would create excitement from a soccer-crazy Italian market? An Italian football player. Do you see the logic behind it, Phil? I I do, Christopher, and and I kind of like that logic, and it's the first time I've heard it put that particular way that it, the goal was to market here in Canada to those groups. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the first thing that jumps into my mind is uh, it, it, it seems to be the new Canadians, and we don't have that many new German Canadians, we don't have that many new Italian Canadians, etc. It seems to be the new Canadians that haven't been marketed to, in, you know, or haven't had the CFL marketed to them. Um, I would would have Sooner, maybe seen uh, targeting the uh, Filipino community or the uh, the Chinese community or the Middle Eastern. They're, they're community. too small to play football, and uh, but they are a, a big demographic in this country, particularly new Canadians that are turning to soccer. Uh, although when I go to a CFL football game, uh, at least recently in both Calgary, Regina, and and Edmonton, uh, I have noticed hundreds of Filipino-Canadian fans. They are really turned on to the CFL game. Yeah, uh, Indo-Canadians as well. There's a lot of Indo-Canadians in the Vancouver football market. And they're, they're taking on the... And it doesn't hurt to have Suk Chung and... Uh, uh, why, why, why can't I remember Bob, Bobby Singh? And, uh, and you know, also, BC Lions have been, uh, have been good in that aspect of things. Yes, they have. Uh, Hunter Stewart... Um, you know, it, 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 the, the, the Canadian market has come and embraced the, uh, the BC Lions because of this. So obviously it works. Obviously it works. If you have people or players from your particular demographic coming in, then I, I, you're going you're gonna to follow the sport. It just stands to reason, right? So I I like it. I, I I don't know how successful it's going to be. But if you don't try it, the answer's no. Yeah, exactly. 100% of the time, if you don't try something, the answer's going to be no. So And it's thinking you know, outside the box, which I like. Yeah, it's something that's never been done before. And as I was talking to, to Will offline... Uh, Randy Ambrosi's told us a, a few things 
that were really interesting to me. And this was huge. This was absolutely huge. I cannot uh, express how um, how much in awe I was when I heard this news last night was that last week Randy Ambrosi got a phone call from the commissioner of the Australian Gridiron Federation. Now, this is not a league. This is the federation that oversees nine professional leagues in Australia because gridiron football is actually getting really big in that country. You know what he was federation that the, every team, every league in Australia is converting over to CFL rules. They're throwing oh. the NFL American football game away and they're mm-hmm. converting to CFL rules. That is massive. That actually kind of stunned me when I heard him say that. Oh, without, uh, yeah. That, I was not expecting that. That is incredible news. Yeah. It is. It is. This means that those fans, those gridiron fans in Australia, are now looking to the CFL to, to watch the best CFL rules football. Okay. That's what they're going to do. They're mm-hmm. going to start. I expect announcement of some major media uh, uh, announcements for Australia. Expect it. You know, it's going to yeah. happen. They're going to. They are going to broadcast this game in Australia. They're, they have to if they're doing going this far. Now, another thing that that Randy was last night, which um, was a conversation with two different people. And one of them is uh, somebody in the NFL. And he said that in a conversation with them, with this, his N- NFL counterpart, not the commissioner, but somebody down there, um, he's, the gentleman said that the CFL is winning the global football market. They're doing it right. He goes, we screwed it up with the NFL. We went in there. We bought them up. We told them how to do it. We forced them to do it this way, and we ran over top of them in the typical American fashion around the world. And it failed. There was pushback. There was a rebellion. And NFL Europe failed. Okay? Because they forced them to do what they wanted to do, not what they were doing. Randy went over to Germany and said, we want to be your partners. We want to help you succeed. We want you to help us. How can we make this a better union together, right? The chancellor of the German Football Federation got up, walked over to him, and gave him a hug and said, thank you for treating us as equals. Nobody has treated us this way before. So he's doing the right things. How important is it to the CFL? We don't know. Will this uh, produce dividends? We don't know. But he's not embarrassing us. And for that, proud of. Yep. Okay. And, I mean, that's basically CFL 2.0 in a nutshell. And that is why... I'm not offended by it anymore. You know, I've been warming up to it over the last year, and this just sealed the deal for me. Yep. 
William, what do you got to say? Well, everything you said is pretty amazing. And once again, you know what? If it promotes the CFL anywhere, I think that can't be a bad thing. And the sooner we get, the sooner we get some players from there that are actually talented enough play here to play here, the better off we are. So, and and I mean, hey, we look for we look for talent in the U.S. Why not look for talent throughout the world? Because there's got to be guys. The, yep, there's got to the, be guys. The, the difference that I see here is, and I'm going to use Andrew Harris as an example. Okay. We pull up a running back out of the U.S., and he's ready to play football in Canada. He's got to learn yeah. the rules. He's got to learn the differences. But he's a caliber to play football here. Andrew Harris wasn't, right? He was somebody who needed to be coached along. He needed to be brought along. He needed to be developed because we don't have that program in high school and college in Canada that they do in America. We've, we've discussed this at length, ad nauseum, throughout the times on the podcast. But Wally Buono stuck with Andrew Harris and developed him and brought him along. He saw the raw talent, the diamond in the rough, that was Andrew Harris. Now he's an, an elite. He's a Hall of Fame running back in the CFL, a Canadian. Born in Canada, okay? Would he have ever made it if we didn't have the ratio? No. Quite likely not. Quite Nobody would have put time and effort into that, okay? But because he was a Canadian and he fit on the roster and yada, yada, yada. Okay, beside the point, let's not talk about the ratio right now. That's not the discussion. The same thing is going to happen with this German lineman. You're going to have to bring him over here. You're going to have to teach him the subtleties of being a lineman in the CFL. He is not going to come in at the same level that an American is. He might not even come in at the same level a Canadian is. He's going to put in the time and the development of this player. He may become the best lineman in the CFL because he might have the raw talent that is needed for that. Okay? We don't know. You never know where the raw talent's going to come from. In, in, in the 1960s, 100% of the CFL was Canadian. And then came Boris Salming. We had some Americans. Now, the Canadian football or Canadian hockey is, what, 45% of, of the NFL, NHL? Right? Or is it 45% of it is North American that's Canadian and, NH, and, and American? No, I think uh, it's Canadian. Whatever. I think it's higher North American, but something like that. We have to learn to develop our game, and they have to take the time and the effort to develop these players. And if the team, if the league and the teams are prepared to do that, this could be successful. If they just bring in a player and throw him to the wolves like we do to quarterback, backup quarterbacks, then he's just going to get burned out. He's going to get shell-shocked, he's not going to be able to deal with it, and uh, he's going to go home. Mm-hmm. Do it right. Do it slowly. And make a football player. And by doing that, you've made a, you've made a street of fans, and you've made a demographic standard of fans. CFL 2.0 can be successful. But it's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> 
You're not going to come in here and pull in a, a player from Germany and going to be an all-star candidate. Don't expect that. It's not going to happen. Is there a fluke out there? Could it? Of course. But I wouldn't expect it. Phil, what do you think? I'm looking forward to next season when we have uh, this handful of players that were on rosters uh, and in training camp and with the team all year long. Uh, I think we're going to see some of the players that were first-year international players last year, we're going to see them excel, much like we do with Canadian talent in their second year in the CFL. A handful of them. I mean, sometimes we we wait for the third, fourth, and fifth year with Canadian talent, uh, like uh, Josiah St. John, and, and he so still Sanji, hasn't developed yeah. coming coming in as you know number one draft pick. Uh, he still hasn't blossomed into what you expect him to be. So is he going to do that this year? No. It was five seasons before Ray Algard started on an offense in the CFL. Yeah, but this is what I mean. Yeah. We have to. We have to be patient, and we have to develop these players properly. We can't look at it after one season and say, oh, that's a fucking failure. Let's write this off and try something else. And Which is what most of us were prepared to do. Because last year we had one player on each team, and there was only one guy out of all of those things that actually anybody talked about. Mm-hmm. This guy in, in, in Manitoba, in Winnipeg. In I don't even know his name, but you, that was a German I wasn't it? Yeah. made a couple of big plays. Yep. Defense lineman or linebacker or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep, D-lineman. Okay, so that's uh, that's uh, Randy Ambrosi and, and Football 2.0. Um, he is working on a lot of different things. Uh, he did. Uh, we did talk about the playoff structure, and I'm really surprised that there were people at this uh, meeting last night that actually told him not to change the football structure. And I, I honestly couldn't believe that. But then I, throughout the night, I found out that these guys were only fans of CFL for the last two or three years. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm going, okay, well, that makes sense. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. And, uh, and I called Randy on a couple of things and uh, I, you know, and he called me and I said, you know, it's been 40 years. The West has dominated the East for 40 years. And he said, I remember Montreal Alouettes being a powerhouse in the CFL. And I called him on that. And I said, yes, Montreal Alouettes were. I mean, the Hamilton Tiger Cats were the best team in the CFL last year. They had the best record. Montreal had, ran, had a good run of Grey Cups under uh, Anthony Calvillo. But that was only one team in the East. When was the last time the Eastern Division dominated the Western Division? Yeah. It's been 40 years. Has there ever been a crossover? Not East nope. and West. Not East and West, no. no. I mean, East not West. even close. Never. Do, no. do you know why? And it's not going to happen. Uh, because three Western teams have to shit the bed. Yeah. Three, three, that five. never happens have to be subpar and there has to be four dominant eastern teams yeah yeah we're in the west it's, you only need four out of five teams 80 percent where you need 100 percent of the eastern teams to be dominant in order to, to achieve the crossover point but you also need 
seven is sixty six percent of the of the Western Division to be right. And in all honesty, and let's let's not back and, and talk about Winnipeg and and in Saskatchewan and, and for the most part BC. Um, we don't have teams that stay down long, not anymore. We used to have decades of, of, of terrible football teams. Mm-hmm. Now you have one or two seasons with off, and, and you've worked your ass off to rebuild, and, and, and all of a sudden you start to improve, and you're cresting back up. Uh, you know, it was BC was last year. Two years ago it was Edmonton, and, you know, uh, it, Winnipeg, and, and Saskatchewan's been garbage for a long time, and, and they're now a very strong team in this league. It, it's one of those things, you know, you just – you don't keep a Western team down for very long. Uh, is it pride? Is it, it what is it? I don't know. But the Western teams rebuilt themselves. Where Toronto is quite content, plumbing along, you know, six and twelve, three and fifteen. You know that they're, they're just plugging along, da 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 da, and so be it. They're really not doing anything to make themselves better. I mean, they went off and got Matt Nichols as a quarterback. You, 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 Edmonton threw him away. Winnipeg's thrown him away. And you're going to turn your franchise around with him? I, I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I really I don't get it. How are you recycling players that two teams have already thrown away? Now, I know the Riders have brought in Zach Caleros, and, and he's gone to Hamilton and Toronto. Uh, so, sorry, Winnipeg's brought in Zach Caleros and, and Saskatchewan, and, and, but he's, he has talent. He didn't get he – he's not, not in these teams because of his ability. He's not in these teams because he was injured, and they had to replace him because he wasn't going to be ready to play. Okay, so I understand Winnipeg taking up a, a player that's gone to three different teams like that, and I'm and I'm not saying that you know, there's there's not defensive backs that do this or or uh, running backs or whatever that bounce from team to team to team to team, but we're talking about your marquee quarterbacks out there, mm-hmm. and for the most part, they don't go from team to team. Mike Riley was a, a, a fixture in Edmonton for a long time. Yes, he moved to Vancouver for personal reasons. Trevor Harris w- was the franchise quarterback in Ottawa, and he would have stayed there for a, his entire career. Things didn't happen between him and management. He moved on. Okay, But for the most part, these players, quarterbacks, stay in one franchise for life. But Levi Mitchell's not going anywhere from Calgary. I wish he would, but he's not going to. Okay? Jeremiah Mazzoli is going to stay in Hamilton until Hamilton doesn't want him anymore. He's not looking for somewhere else. He could have gone somewhere else for more money because those teams are out there offering more money. But he signed back in Hamilton because he's a tie cat. Okay? So as, as as when you make your mark in a city, you stay there. Quarterbacks do, okay. They're not chasing the money. Maybe the backups do. I don't think the backups are chasing the money. I think they're chasing playing time, and that's why teams for the most part, yeah. Quarterback. 
They want to be the starter. Yeah, they want to make more money. They want to do things forever, but it's an ego thing. They want to be the starter. So once a player has a, is a starter, a quarterback is a starter in a particular city, they're not moving on because of money. They're moving on because of politics. They're moving on because of injury. They're moving on because of another, uh, they've been replaced. Right? How many quarterbacks have left in free agency for no other reason other than money? Come on, I'm expecting Mike Riley to come name to come out. I mean, he left Edmonton, but Edmonton said they would match that number. Yep. So it, I it, think he, net, just wanted look, to, he just wanted to be here, or he wanted out. One of the two. One I think he two, wanted yeah. to be here, but I, I think it was a combination of everything. I mean, why did Bo Levi Mitchell stay in Calgary when Toronto offered more money? Mm-hmm. So, yep. Anyhow, that's football 2.0, CFL football 2.0. Night night, buddy. <laughs> okay. Hey, Christopher, so can let's we just revisit the the playoff format again? I'm could sorry. You explain that to. Uh, could we revisit the playoff format again? Can you explain that to our listeners? What will happen in the second round of the playoffs? Sure. Uh, the first round of the uh, what's going to happen in the playoffs is the first two teams in each division, and I don't agree with this, but the top team in each division gets a bye. The in that first round, positions three, four, five, and six will play off where the top team, which will just be like the uh, NHL, where the uh, number three team plays the number six team, the number four team plays the number five team. Okay? And then the winners of those teams then will play in order against the other two teams, which will be, uh, let's hypothetically say that we had Saskatchewan, and Hamilton last year. So Hamilton was the number one team. Saskatchewan was the number two team. So the, okay. So whoever was the lower points total throughout the season of the winner of the semifinals would play Hamilton. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. Right. Let me go over to the standings, and I'll give you the raw example. Um, it was BC played Montreal, right, last year? Yes. Yeah, that's right. No, BC played. No, BC missed no, the playoffs No, BC was in the year. playoffs. Edmonton played Montreal. Edmonton crossed over correct. and played Montreal. And Winnipeg played Calgary. Right. Okay? So Winnipeg had 11 wins. Montreal had 10 wins. Both of those teams were the winners. Okay. So that means that the 10 and 8 Montreal Alouettes would have played the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the 15 and 3 Tiger Cats, and the 11 and 7 Winnipeg Blue Bombers would have played the uh, 13 and 5 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So under the new playoff format, nothing changed last year. Not last year, no. The games would have played out exactly the same way as what they did. Oh, that's interesting. 
Are, are you okay with that, Phil? Yeah, that, that that's interesting. I, di- I didn't look go back and look at that. Yeah. Okay, we can go back another year if you want and, and play the 2018, and I'll try to go from memory here. We had Calgary was number one team in the league at 13 and five. They would have had a bye. Ottawa at 11 and seven. They would have had a bye. BC Lions crossed over and Hamilton and lost. Hamilton was an eight and ten team. Okay, and Winnipeg played Saskatchewan. I don't actually remember who won that game. Yeah, Winnipeg won. Winnipeg won. So the ten and eight Winnipeg Blue Bombers would have played the 11-7 and seven Ottawa Red Blacks, where the 8-10 and 10 Hamilton Tiger Cats would have played the 13-5 and five Calgary Stampeders. So in 2018, we would, have had, we would have swapped teams with the divisional finals, so to speak. Okay? So that w- would have been a change. So whoever... And we might have had an all-West breakup. We could have had an all-West Grey Cup. Mm-hmm. Well, we could have a, we've already had an all-West Grey Cup. Contrary to what most people believe at this point in time, we've already had all-West Grey Cups. Because in 2011, the BC Lions defeated the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in BC Play Stadium. And I witnessed the game. And I believe, Charles, you were there as well. Yes. So we've already had an all-West Grey Cup. So if, Ottawa, if, BC played, if Calgary played Winnipeg or Saskatchewan played Winnipeg in the Grey Cup, it would be any different than what we've already had in 2011. And 1990. And 1990. Yeah. That means one Yeah. So um, we've had all West Grey. So, you know, the sky's not falling in the Eastern Division. They're still going to pay attention to the teams. They're still going to do everything else. So basically, it the, the, the team becomes, in 2018, the Saskatchewan or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers would have become an Eastern team to play in the Eastern final against Ottawa. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats would have become a Western team and played against the Calgary Stampeders. It's the only difference. So the only reason I asked for a clarification is, is I've heard a little bit on social media, about. I guess there was a rumor out there for a while that they were going to allow the uh, first place teams in each division after the first round to select the team yeah. that they were going to play. That's he, correct. So, what, what, yeah, he what addressed the, that last night. The, the original oh, concept was the, ga- the semifinal games would be played on Saturday, and on Sunday, the winner of the semifinal games would uh, announce who yeah. they were, were going to select to play in the next round. So that would be the, the higher of the two teams. So let's use 2018 as a suggestion here. So the Calgary Stampeders were 13-5, and five and Ottawa was 11-7, and seven. And the Calgary Stampede would have had the choice to pick either the Winnipeg Blue Bombers or the Hamilton Tiger Cats to play. Okay, because they were the top team. They would have had the, the choice of which ones to play. That's been scrapped. Okay, yep. they're automatically going to play the lower of the two teams. Which is probably who they would have selected anyhow. So are you telling me this is a this is... This is a change? This is reality? This is what they are talking about is the change of the playoff format. Is When it's going to happen has, never, has not been officiated, although I had heard okay. that Randy in one of his road trips say that it could happen as early as this year, 2020. It's going okay. to be up to the Board of Governors to discuss this season. 
And if they implement this rule change like they do implement any of the rule changes that they do every year, which usually Mm -hmm. comes out, what, late April, early May when they announce the new rule changes, they could announce a a change to the playoff format for this year. I I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. We'll see how it goes, and we'll see what happens. I mean, they have to do it before training camp because any of the rules that are other rules that are being initiated have to be trained and, and, and taught and educated to the players during training camp and to the coaches prior to that as well. So any changes to the rules for the 2020 season have to be done prior to the beginning of training camp substantially for a couple, at least a couple weeks before. So I would have to believe that it's going to be sometime in April when the rules committees come out. Is that anybody? That, right I would one? think that, I think that's probably a good assumption. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I haven't heard whether he did not say anything last night about pushing to have it put through this year, whether it's actually on the docket or anything else. I, I had heard that it could be as early as the 2020 season if the rule committee puts it forward the board of governors approves it and that could have happened any year that's how that's how we get rule changes in the cfl the rules committee puts it forward the board of governors vote on it for the most part they're rubber stamped the odd time they're vetoed so I, I would embrace – I think the majority of people are embracing the new um, playoff format, at least the teams that the, – the, to me, it's the people who understand football. And I, I don't want to disrespect anybody out there, but if – I don't believe a team should be awarded a playoff position or awarded a playoff home game because of their geographical location. Yeah. I think the team needs to earn it. Your, your team needs to earn it. And that was one of the things I brought up to Randy last night is why does the head team in each division get a buy? The, the top team in the Eastern Division given a buy. Why did the 11-7 and seven Ottawa Red Blacks in 2018 get a buy when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders were 12-6? and six? The Saskatchewan uh, Riders earned that buy. 2017 is a is a real good example of where it would have made some some big changes. Huge um, changes. The the playoff. I, I think the teams would have ended up being the same, but the uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, would have ed- ended up playing a road game in Edmonton instead of Ottawa, and advancing to the Eastern Final which probably would have made more sense, and Winnipeg would have hosted Ottawa in, in, the, other, in the other semifinal. Mm-hmm. Correct. It, it, it's, 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 very tough. it's a tough decision. It's a, you know, it, yeah. there's no right answer to this. There's no, no way that you're going to make everybody happy. We know that the backlash right now from the Toronto Argonauts fans on this concept is huge. And the only thing that I have to say to them is put a better team on the field. Demand a you winner, want it. like like teams you, in the West do. 
you want you want a winning team, then put the players on the field. There's no reason for the Eastern Division having a number one team at nine and nine. And if you actually go back in 2016, uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks were number one team in the East at eight and nine, eight nine and one. They were below 500 team, and they got a buy. Yeah, that doesn't seem fair. When there were teams that were 500 or better that had to play road games, there's well, Edmonton wrong with had that. to cross over at 10 and eight. Yeah. Okay, Winnipeg cross over and go into the eastern uh, park. W- Winnipeg did not host a home game at eleven seven. Yet Ottawa at eight and nine did. Hamilton at seven eleven. Seven eleven hosted a playoff game. Yeah, Edmonton so, Eskimos in twenty seventeen twelve and six had to go on the road to Winnipeg. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to happen anymore. If if these rules are implemented. Yeah. And and I, I 100% support them. I don't think they went far enough. I think that the two top teams, regardless of the division, of the division should get the bye. But I think this is the to trying to keep the divisions and trying to keep the East-West rivalry. Yep. Okay. And I'm willing to accept that change at this no, point in time. I think that it will force the Eastern Division to get better. There's a very good possibility that only one Eastern team will make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay? In in 2016, only one team would have made the playoffs. Okay? In 2017, uh, only one Eastern team would have made the playoffs. In 2018, only one team would have made the playoffs. 2019, uh, no, two teams would have made the playoffs. Montreal would have made the playoffs, and uh, BC would not. You know what I like most about this setup, gentlemen, is there's a, a possibility, in fact, a probability that all three teams in the great province of Buffalo could host a playoff game. Province of Buffalo? Buffalo in Ontario. What are you talking about? No, the province of Buffalo. Google it. Huh? What are you talking about? me on that, Phil. Uh, well, the, the proposed province of Buffalo uh, uh, historically oh, and, and recently. It's not going to happen. Because oh, no way in hell that BC is going to join anything that has anything to do with Alberta. Okay, so oh, forget BC, about the BC province of Buffalo. Never, was never was never a part of the province of Buffalo. BC was already a province then. Yeah, BC okay. was, was a province quite quite let's, earlier. Let's let's not talk politics at this point in time. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, I I saw that, and y- yes, it's possible that. All three, there could be three Western teams hosting playoff games. It's probable. Okay, highly probable. Okay, Uh, I'm going to move on from Randy Ambrosi's road trip unless anybody else has anything to add. Charles, do you have anything else that he brought up? No, um, pretty much we've covered what I thought um, 
but I thought it was uh, very informative. And it was I a very, really very good Eddie meeting. Doing this. And you know what? I know that in in um, a lot some of the other cities they had like bigger um, bigger events where they had a lot like they had hundreds of season ticket holders and stuff like that. But to be tr- truthfully honest, a small group like that is more likely to get things done than a, a larger group with hundreds of people. Yeah, it's more productive. Yeah, I, I mean, Winnipeg had over two hundred people. Regina had yeah. over two hundred people. I don't. I never heard much about the other city. I know Hamilton had over two hundred people there. Yeah, there Hamilton had, had a lot uh, too. BC Lions had fifteen people. Yep. There were twenty people at the table. Five of them were BC Lions employees. So there was fifteen yep. people outside of the organization there. So, um, and that was yeah. done by design, though. That's it was done by wanted. design. It was very productive, and we got a lot accomplished in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. I think that this type of event shouldn't have been mixed in the way that it was, Charles. What do you I mean? I think that if, if the BC Lions, because a lo- we went over a lot of things that had to do with the BC Lions organization and had nothing to do with Randy Ambrosi. Yeah, I, I see what you mean there. So they should have And, and if the BC, uh, if the BC Lions thing. want to critique their performance by the fans, then they should have an event to do that. Yeah. This should have been strictly about Randy Ambrosi and the CFL. Okay, that I but, that I can agree with too. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, that's not something that we express to the fans and everything else. I was just making a point here. Okay, let's get back to our agenda here. Let's talk about the, pers- the changes to the Rouge. Now, it was suggested at the uh, Randy's road trip in Montreal that um, that when a field goal is missed and the ball does not land in the end zone, it is not playable, that point should not be awarded. Okay? So, here's my take on that, and we Charles and I have gone back and forth on this one again, and we don't agree, okay? Yep. And we both, we both see each other's logic, we both respect each other in discussion, but we don't agree with each other, and that's a simple fact. I believe that the concept of football is to get the ball in the end zone by whatever means necessary. If you kick it into the end zone, either a punt, a kickoff, a missed field goal, whatever, your single point is awarded. If you kick it in through the uprights, three point is awarded. If you run the ball in or you catch the ball in the end zone, six points is awarded, and the conversion is either a single point or two points, depending on which of the two you choose to, if you're successful with. Okay. The purpose of this game is to get the ball in the end zone. So what you're trying to do now is penalize the team for doing that. Take the ball away, the point away from them for getting the ball in the end zone. Now the argument, and I'm not going to go into Charles's arguments because I'm going to let him do that. But my point being here is that if you're kicking a field goal and you miss and the ball sails all the way through the end zone and out and is not playable, that only means that you're kicking from too close. So for a team that was able to march down the field and run out of place, momentum at the 20-yard line, kick a field goal and miss, they don't get a point. But if a team gets to center field, at the 45, 
and they kick a long field goal and they miss and the lands in the end zone and it runs out or, or the guy in the end zone bobbles it and, or it bounces and goes out of the end of the end zone. That team is rewarded for a point, even though they were about moving the ball down the field. They both got the ball in the end zone. Just one did it from further away. And they're rewarded where the team that got closer to the end zone and, and, and was unsuccessful doesn't get the point because their kicker booted out the back of the end zone without it touching the ground. There's my argument. Charles, play yours. Okay, so the purpose, I agree with you, the, the purpose is to get the ball into the end zone. When you kick a ball, when you punt a ball or miss a field goal, and let's say it sails wide and just sails out the back of the end zone, they kick it into like the fourth row or whatever, the ball never physically touches the end zone. It goes over top of the end zone. So the point of scoring a point, the point of football is to get the ball into the scoring area. If you've kicked it over the scoring area, you never got the ball into the actual scoring area. You kicked it over. And my argue, my argument for this is, too, is let's say a quarterback throws the ball to a receiver towards the back of the end zone. A receiver can jump up, catch the ball, He's still technically above the end zone when he catches the ball. But if he comes down out of bounds, he does not hit in the scoring area. Therefore, no points are awarded. To me, it's the same thing if you kick it. If you've kicked the ball and you um, um, go right through the end zone, it never touches the scoring area, which is the actual point. And you, you make the point is, well, if they get down, let's say, to the 10-yard line, they stall and they kick it through, uh, then uh, and they miss the field goal, it goes through, you don't get a point. But if you kick a far one, and you, you uh, get it through, and it lands in the end zone, or they concede, or he bobbles it, or whatever, they do get the point. Here's my argument to that. If you've gotten on that close and you miss a field goal and kick it through the back of the end zone, you don't deserve any points. Because if you're missing a field goal from that close, you don't deserve anything. And think about this. Go back to the 2004 Western Final. I thought about this today. Go back to the 2004 Western Final. Paul McCallum misses, I think it was a 14-yard or a 12-yard field goal. It sails out the back of the end zone. He gets a point for that. He's embarrassed. He's gone to the point where Ryder fans were throwing manure onto his driveway, which is despicable, his, I might add. His, but his neighbor's say, driveway, I might add. Yeah, or well, whichever. They, they missed. They missed. Uh, the, they got the wrong house. In, yeah. Let's say in the ensuing drive, something happens, and they gave the ball to the running back, and he fumbles, and they recover. So because of a massive screw-up, missing a 12-yard field goal, but because the court, the um, someone fumbles, that massive screw-up still earns you a trip to the Grey Cup. It's ludicrous at that point. If you want to get a point, you should still land the ball somewhere within the confines of the end zone, which is the scoring area. It can bounce once and bounce out of bounds. I'm fine with that. But if you want the points, you should at least hit the ball into the scoring area. Yeah, I think it's an illogical uh, answer. And uh, 
and and that's why Charles and I disagree. But we're not going to call each other names or, or or anything else like most fans do, because we just disagree. Now, mm-hmm. uh, on, on I'm going to touch your concept of you know that the receiver doesn't touch the end zone and goes out the back and it's not a completion, and I, I and I respect that. But also, if a running back or a player running down the field, a receiver catches the ball, he's running for the end zone, and he is he's pushed out of bounds, he's taken out of bounds, but the ball before he touches out of bounds, the ball breaks the plane. The player never enters the end zone. The player lands out of bounds, never answers the end zone. He never sticks a foot in the end zone, but the ball, because it breaks the plane and then goes out of bounds, the ball has ne- it hasn't touched the end zone yet. The ball was never in the end zone, according to your theory of that, because the ball never touched the ground or the player wasn't in the end zone. So why does that count? Why does that that count as a touchdown when it shouldn't? Okay, because mm-hmm. the ball's broken the plane. Right. I, I think there's a, a, a hypocrisy in the rules as we currently have them, because I don't believe that the momentum should be able to take a player out of out of the football. If he has control of the football and he's in the air and he lands out of bounds, if you've got a, a line there, he should be considered a, a touchdown, whether or not he has a foot down. If he caught the ball in the end zone, but that's a, that's another argument completely. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm going to bring this up to you as well. So when you c- kick a field goal and it goes through the uprights and right. it goes into the fourth row of the stands, it didn't go in the end zone either. True. But in that, in that situation, you actually have a specific, target that you're supposed to hit it's not just kicking it willy-nilly anywhere you're actually putting it through the uprights which is a designed scoring play like a touchdown is a designed scoring play a missed field goal kicking it out of the end zone is not a designed scoring play you're trying something and you're failing at it that's a that's the difference at a point you're actually accomplishing an objective you're not accomplishing any objective by missing a field goal you're screwing up, but still getting rewarded with a point for it. You're not rewarding for failure. You're getting well. Technically, you are. <laughs> you're getting you're getting paid to get the ball in the end zone, and that's the goal of this game. It is bottom line. Get on the end zone, you get a reward. You get a point. You score. Okay. <laughs> that you know, I I don't I don't it's in dispute. True. But, okay, but the um, ball wasn't playable, so that doesn't count. You you got it into the end zone, but you know because the ball wasn't playable, doesn't count. That's what you're telling me. So it's okay to kick long field goals and miss, but it's not okay to kick short field goals and miss. And yes, the, your quality of your kicker is important, and sometimes shit happens. But why should the team be penalized because one player can't perform properly? Hmm. I don't know. William, you've heard both sides of the argument. What do you think about the Rouge? Should it be changed? <laughs> you know, I You're the I person I want to ask because you don't like kickers. Yeah. No, no, I'm all about preserving everything that we've ever had in the CFL with the exception of one thing. I'm a I'm a black and white guy. Okay? 
if you miss the field goal, you should get squat. Period. Okay? It, 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 and, and I've heard the argument so many times, you get a point for failing. It's the truth. I'm sorry. It is. If but you they got don't, the ball in the end zone you, like they were trying there, to do. There's, I don't give a shit if you got the ball in the end zone. So when, when, when a receiver runs into the end zone and you throw a pass and they don't catch the pass, the ball's in the end zone. Should he get a point for that too? No. Okay. So in my opinion, you should scrap the whole thing. If you miss the field goal, the ball should be dead, period. And no point awarded. And I, like I told you before, I'm all for preserving everything about the CFL except for that rule. I think it's dumb. I really think so, it's dumb. So you want to preserve the, the the playoff structure that we have right now? No. Oh, so not everything no. about the CFL except kicking. Well, no, no, so no, other no, things you're, you're willing a, to change. Not a, that's not a CFL thing in my mind. I'm, I'm just looking okay. for the hypocrisy here because it, it appears there's to no be hypo- very strong. There's no hypocrisy whatsoever. It's just you're getting rewarded for failing. That one point that you get for missing a field goal can change who loses and wins the game. And I think that's ridiculous. Okay. The only thing I got to say ridiculous. to this is that if if you lose a game because of a single point on a rouge, then you should play yeah. better football for the other fifty nine minutes. But it happens. But it happens all the of time. It, does. it happens. Okay. And you know, when every year when I go to the states or go to Las Vegas, I'm slopping around in the pool and I run into Americans and we bring up the CFL. They always ask me that, and I, it's the one time in my life that I'm silent. I have no argument. I have no argument, okay? All okay. I say is it's part, it's part of the Canadian game. Okay. That's now, okay. Uh, before I go to Phil, I want to add something uh-huh. here, because if you're going to start comparing this with the NFL, I don't understand how a team can be rewarded by getting the ball out at the 25-yard line without it costing them anything. Okay. Okay. So if the field goal is missed, then but you start at the one-yard line. How are, they, how, how are they rewarded? Okay. If, if a team puts the ball into the end zone on a missed field goal, okay, and the yeah. field goal's missed, and you're going <sighs> to take the point away from the other team because it didn't land in the end zone, okay, then the defending team should go on the offense from the one-yard line because that's where the ball was last in play. What? Okay. So why the team in, 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 in the NFL right now, if, the, if you miss a field goal, where's the ball placed? The 25-yard line. Why? Why does that team get 25 yards for no cost? Didn't cost them anything. A, they didn't. It, it's a, they it's didn't earn no, it. But it's they didn't give up a point it's to get irrele- it. But it's irrelevant. Oh no, they it's very relevant. I, I wish I point. could just get twenty-five yards for nothing. They didn't so get every, a point. It, that doesn't matter. The, the 
the offensive yes, team, the does. kicking team. Yes, does, no, 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 no. We've now taken that out, out of the picture. You've just taken the point away, and I'm perfectly okay with that. If you're going to say that, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with taking the point out. I want to know where the ball is placed after a missed field goal. On the 25-yard line. The team didn't earn 25 yards. Why doesn't should it be matter. at the 25? Yeah, it does matter. It doesn't matter. How can that? That is the dumbest thing I've heard what? tonight. No, the dumbest thing I've ever heard is we're talking right now. We are talking about points. You get a point for failing. Okay. Okay. You get I, I a can, point I, on this. No, no. William. 25 yard. Hold on. The, bringing the ball up to the 25 yard line does not win or lose games directly. <laughs> Uh, there's very few games in the CFL that come down to the difference of one point. And there's very very few of them come down to a rouge off a missed field goal. It happens, but very rare. Okay? If, very, if very the, rare. If the, if the but a missed BC field goal Lions, happens often. If the so why BC should that Lions, team get 25 yards? If the BC Lions and the Edmonton Eskimos were in the Western final and it came down to a field goal, and they and 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 Edmonton kicked a field goal and missed it and won the game by one point. Would you guys be happy? I'd be livid. I I, I would not would. be happy because my team didn't play well enough to win the game during the rest the other so, fifty nine so minutes of the game. So there's so so listen to this. So there's three minutes left, and you stall the ball and stall the ball till there's no seconds left, and you can kick a field goal and miss it and still get a point and win the game. How fucking ridiculous is that? Well, this is my point. The point I brought up the other day is that let's say someone, um, they get down, let's say they're at the five-yard line or something in the Grey Cup game, and with seconds left in a tie game, and let's say they decide instead of kicking a chip shot field goal, they just send their punter out and just hammer a punt through the back of the end zone into the tenth row, and they win the uh-huh. Grey Cup by a point. Uh-huh. You know how ridiculous that would make the CFL look uh-huh. that someone just went out and punted the ball through the end. They would be laughed uh-huh. at universally for that. Now that would now that where, would not, where we could that where would we could add to the game where we could add to the game is. If a kicker gets down to the 14-yard line and he misses the, the field goal, and he misses the field goal, I think we should like have a public hanging right in the middle of the field, the kicker, and that would add to the game. Okay. Have a so lynching, you okay? you would have you have, would have lynched one of the greatest kickers of all times because he missed a 14-yard field goal. There's but there's the key there greatest. Kicker, okay? Kicker. You know how if, I feel about kickers. If Will had his way, there would be no kicking in the CFL, except for possibly if, if after, Will, a, field, after a touchdown. His, the reason Will could never be a head coach in any professional league is he would always go for it on third down, okay? Or fourth. Or fourth. Yeah. Or fourth. Yeah, sure. Or fourth. I would. Well, you must like the XFL rule there where they don't kick converts. They either try it from the 5- or the 10-yard line or whatever. 
I, I, no you know, Charles, I, I haven't, I haven't really um, wasted that much time on the game. I've seen touchdowns, but I haven't waited for the converts. Okay. Well, they don't I, kick I, converts down there. But, but I do like the, I do like the kickoff thing. I really do like that. That so, I like too. It's actually. Let's, I let's, love that. let's not I get really into like a discussion about the XFL, like, please. Okay. 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 I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Anyways, let okay. me qualify this, Christopher, with just my opinion. Yeah. Phil, you get your kick at the cat right now. What's your thoughts on, on the possible rule change on a mix, missed field goal? This has got nothing to do with punting the ball out of the end zone, as Charles said. This is strictly on a – the discussion is about a missed field goal. Okay? You can still punt the ball right out of the end zone, and it's good for a point. Well, I think it's great for the discussion that all three of you had such different viewpoints on, on this subject. And, and, and uh, listening to you, it really helps to bring out the point that awarding or not awarding that single point is an award for field position. And it's just how much do you want to award field position? Like, Christopher, I, don't, I really couldn't buy into your idea of scrimmaging at the one-yard line for a missed field goal because that would be an advantage for the team that missed the field goal as we know anybody that scrimmages inside the 10 is liable to give up the ball in uh, in field position with good field position the opposition but agreed that's that's it uh, I, I think the rouge rule as it stands in the cfl right now is a relic of an era of a 25 yard end zone and kickers with a lot weaker legs than what we have today in professional football. And I'd just like to add one other thing. I think you guys did a good job of, of covering that a little bit. What, what would happen in, in a big game if a Rouge wins it? Um, you know, we've seen it already last year in a regular season game. I think it was BC in uh, Toronto. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was in Toronto, I'm sure. And uh, where a team uh, won a game where a, a ball was fielded, but uh, the... Uh, the uh, returner landed out of bounds. Well, not, um, technically, he didn't land. Well, what he caught the ball and he took, I think, a, a step or two backwards. I guess to get a little bit more of a running start. But then he actually stepped on the back line as he did that. So he yeah. actually did catch it in the end zone. But then he took a couple steps backwards and stepped on the line, and he was out of bounds. So did he give up a safety then, Charles? Oh, no, I guess because no, he was a single point. No, no. that's just like conceding a, yeah. a point. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and just imagine if, uh, if the greatest Grey Cup in CFL history had been won by a single point on November the 19th, 1989. Dave Ridgway wouldn't he'd – be, uh, he'd be talked about today, but – in a completely different way. We'd be talking about him a little more like Paul McCallum with an asterisk. Yeah. We we can talk about uh, the 2009 Grey Cup game that was won on, uh, you know, where the field goal was kicked and a penalty went on, right? And then it turned around and and they won the game. You don't want to get hung up on it. I understand your point. On, on the Rouge, on a missed field goal? I do. Grant, I really do. But I absolutely disagree with the placement of the football afterwards. And okay? that, I, I do not know why 
a, a team would be awarded 25 yards for no cost. Yeah, and that, like I, I was just going to say, I would have no problem if in a situation like that, they simply treated it like a turnover on downs and the, ball, and the other team gets the ball scrimmages from where the team last was. Treat it like a turnover on downs. Well, that's that's called the day cover no, rule. Nobody will be trying 45-yard field goals. Uh, well, it depends we how much while. confidence they have in their kicker. We did that for a while in in the CFL. It was called the Cutler rule uh, because uh, Dave Cutler would try so many long field goals. The CFL implemented a rule that you did scrimmage from where the missed field goal was from. And I, I know we don't do that anymore, but we did that for, for more than a decade in the CFL, maybe 15, 20 years. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I have no recollection of that. Yeah. Cutler, uh, he attempted longer food field goals. I don't either. That might have been a little bit before my time. And Edmonton was very, very dominant. So uh, they implemented a rule that that you would get to uh, scrimmage the ball from where the missed field goal was kicked from. Uh, Because Cutler didn't care about his his, uh, percentage ratio. He was a team player. And he didn't mind kicking them from 55 yards, attempting 55-yard field goals again and again. And uh, he he was only hitting maybe 60% of them. But the CFL implemented a rule where if you kicked a long field goal and missed, that's where the other team scrimmaged from. And like I said, I'm sure we had it for 15 years in the CFL. Uh, I would love to know something more about that. It was nicknamed Mm -hmm. the Cutler Rule. And it was kind of targeted at Cutler because he was such a cut and above as far as strength in leg, other CFL kickers at the time. And this brings back my other point. Like I said, I think the, the rouge the way it is is a relic of a different league with when we had a 25-yard end zone instead of a 20-yard end zone, and we had kickers with much weaker legs in the pre-Cutler era. Uh, Google does not know anything about a Cutler rule. Yeah, it was nicknamed that. And it was like well, the, I know, but, I, you I, know, I, a lot of nicknames would show up. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like the rider rule on rosters. Or, or on and, uh, and salary on, caps uh, on uh, on uh, coaches' salary cap, oh, player salary cap too. Anyhow, um, yeah, it, it it's for an interesting debate, no no doubt, and uh, we'll just carry on. Okay, where are we on the time here? We're, we're, we've got 45 minutes left in the show. We've gone through two segments. I love it. I love it. I love it. If we don't get to everything or everything's not important, we'll go for it. Uh, a new rule amendment concerning rookies coming from the NFL was voted down by the CFLPA. Is this the right decision? Uh, can somebody please enlighten us on what this is? I have no, I have no knowledge of yeah. it. So basically, as I read it, is that Players, even if they've played some time down in the NFL, um, when they come to Canada, they still have to be put onto a rookie contract. Oh, and this okay. came up. This basically came up because of the Toronto Argonauts, and they were attempting to sign. 
Jesus, what's the guy? I'm just going to... Pardon me? T.J. Jones, I believe. T.J. Jones, who is a Canadian uh, who has played uh, in games, regular season games, down in the NFL. He got cut, and he was going to come up to the CFL, and the Argos were going to sign him to a contract worth $200,000. So, in my view, they're actually being saved from themselves. But basically what they're saying is, no, you cannot um, do that. Um, the uh, He is still considered a uh, rookie Canadian, uh, so he has to be put onto a rookie contract. And the CFLPA agreed with this? No, the league was pitching that, and the CF, the, yeah, the P, the PA... The, the league wanted to amend the rule so that players coming up from the NFL would not be constrained to the rookie contract, but the PA um, disagreed and said, no, they still have to come in on the rookie contract. Where's the logic so the, for that for the PA? I don't Actually, know there has a, aren't we Sorry. waiting for a decision from the PA or something? I don't think it's no, final it. yet. Oh, did they? They made it. Yeah. Yeah. If I can expand a little bit on what Charles said there, this has only become a problem since the most current CBA that set out the the, uh, maximum rookie contracts for uh, anybody below first round and uh, at $65,000 for three years. Previously, players in this situation would be able to cut back and sign, uh, I believe, I, I read three years, Today. Well, rookie but, contracts are two years. Yeah, I thought I read three years too, but maybe I read three, it wrong. I, I thought read I read three, three years. years as well. Yeah. And previously, okay. this was not covered in the CBA, and these players could come back. We're, we're free agents now, and this is just something that the league believed and the board of governors believed just got overlooked in the CBA negotiations. Which this is about the third time since the CBA we've had to revisit it, uh, which is kind of bush. I, okay, well, I find it, find it kind of funny. And the, CF, uh, the CFLPA doesn't really care about the rookies that much because they, they know don't. that they're either not going to make it or they're not going to be stick around long enough to whatever else. Uh, they're they're more concerned with pay, uh, protecting the veterans, yeah. and uh, that's the way it was. And, by the way, uh, Solomon Aluminium was voted the president of the C, uh, that's CFLPA right. today. Uh, I honestly didn't think he was going to do it. I thought it would have been Dykowski, but okay. Yeah, we had talked Congra- about that last week, and we all kind of thought that. Congrats to Solly. Um, yep. And moving on, uh, Touchdown Atlantic is close to a sellout. Would a quick sellout help change the government's opinion on funding for the Halifax Stadium? Of course it's a sellout. It only holds 2,000 people. 10,000 people. people. Ten thousand people. No, the, the stadium only holds two thousand people. It can be expanded yeah, to ten thousand. They're expanding yeah, it to ten thousand. So they're expanding it to ten. Yippee. Ten thousand is a, not a sellout in any city. Holy shit! Is that a Toronto Argonaut game? <laughs> and I'd like Toronto to point out that it's not actually sold out yet. It's close to a sellout. There's still tickets available. How many of them are Ryder fans that are traveling from Saskatchewan? That's a good question. That I do not know. That that, you, that would that would make more sense. Is Halifax they get followed everywhere? So. Is the government 
opinion on funding Halifax Stadium going to change? No. Nor should it. Okay. I don't know. Does anybody else want to deal with this one? Because it's, it's irrelevant to me. The Halifax team should not have a government-funded stadium simply because I don't think this team is worthy. Mm-hmm. And, and let's face it. I mean, Nova Scotia's in a recession right now. It, it, if I was a, a politician and I voted to put out $150 million to build a stadium for a, a for-profit professional football team, I should be lynched. I should be. I have no no question about that. Hasn't Nova okay. Scotia been in a recession for a hundred years? Something like that. Time. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, since the fishing industry time. took a nosedive, which was probably about and the coal mining thirty-five, forty, and coal mining and and everything else. Every yeah. industry left that that province. Yeah. Or that, in fact, that area. On the I, I may have started with the explosion on the harbor. That you think? It might have had something to do with it. Okay, it's moving on. I, I, I'm not wasting time on Halifax. Uh, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi says one team violated the the cap rules for 2019. Who do we think the team is, and should penalties be stiffer for violators? That's a two-part question. Uh, my vote is uh, right away on who violated the salary cap. Actually, I'm going to keep mine for quiet for a second. Phil, who do you think violated the salary cap last year? Well, you know Calgary, I hope it is. Winnipeg. You know who I hope who was it? it is. You know who, who I hope it is. Who? I hope, Winnipeg. I hope it's the BC Lions. Okay, what? good. Okay, who do you think it was? Well, because they paid Roger. Riley two hundred seven hundred fifty thousand or seven hundred twenty five thousand right. dollars, and he thinks that that's a bad precedence for the CFL league, and everybody wants to come down on the BC Lions over this. Okay, yada yada yada. yada. Okay, so you think I, I you think it, it's the BC Lions? No, I, I believe it was probably the Montreal Alouettes because I believe that the contracts were signed and the league couldn't get everything cleaned up in time. Uh, I think some of the players demanded some of that money that was on the side and possibly in some side legal contracts, and the, the CFL didn't want to get into that and probably had to honor some of those contracts, maybe for some longer commitments out of players, because they did resign hey. a number of players, which was surprising. So I'm going to go with Montreal. The Cavis Reed was fired for a reason. Uh, William. I'm going to agree with Phil. Yeah. And Charles, you're doing the same. Because it's one hundred percent who I said it was. It was Montreal. We heard all these stories about these side, these deals that Cavis Reed was signing with people, and so it has to be. They're over the cap, no doubt about it. He got fired for a reason. <laughs> okay, Montreal Alouettes are over the cap, and uh, should the penalty for for violating the salary cap be stiffer? One hundred thousand percent, yes. Yeah. One hundred thousand percent. You violate the salary cap, you should automatically lose your draft pick. Automatically, whether you're over by a penny. Oh. You broke a rule, and it's not a rule on the field. It's a rule by the management. You yeah. violate any rule. 
we we talked about Chris, uh, Chris Jones and his ridiculous two houses where he's ho- housing players and paying them on the side and doing this, doing anything else. If you violate the rules of the CFL, there needs to be a penalty in, involved. And what did they get? They lost $56,000 off of their salary cap. Big deal to an organization like that. They don't care about money. You, it, the Dallas Cowboys don't care about money, okay? The New York Yankees don't care about money. They'll pay, they'll pay fines all day long. Mm-hmm. Okay? You have to hurt them where it counts. And you should you violate a rule, regardless of what it is. If the management violates a rule, loss of a draft pick. Minimum. Or multiple draft picks, depending and on I, severity. And I, it, and I think it should escalate as you go along. Yeah. Uh, like how many, not, how, I, how many thousands of times has Saskatchewan got over the cap? Four or five, four. isn't it? Four, four times. Four. Three, three they, times. They should. They four. should have banned them. Don't argue with. They me. should have. They should have banned them from the CFL and made them play junior football for a year. <laughs> uh, I understood it was seven, eight, and thirteen from a story I read recently. And te- yeah, and, that t- and if you read the comments, I corrected that idiot. You forgot two thousand and ten. Anyway. Now, now uh, to add to what you guys said there. You know, this isn't the, the salary cap that we got approximately circa 2006 or 2007 in the CFL that we that we current the structure we currently work under. That is not the first salary cap in the CFL, and our previous salary caps did have provisions for losing a draft pick. In fact, I believe the Toronto Argonauts lost a draft pick. However, well, Montreal Alouettes have lost happened, a draft pick in the current thing salary cap. You just have to be a hundred thousand dollars over the. Over the cap. Every team in the league. Did they go? Just did the Saskatchewan go over in 2009 or not? No. No. They went over in 2010. No? Okay. okay. I'm not familiar with that. Doesn't matter. We're talking about a year, and the fine was minimal. So, absolutely, the fine should increase. I don't think it should involve draft picks because I don't think much of the Canadian draft, anyways. Okay. I think it should involve big money. Two cases of Pilsner. That's not beer. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that came up recently. I don't know how anything can... Dr- I'd rather drink paint thinner. Okay, according to uh, Mark Cohan, April 7, 2011, seven of the eight teams were under the Canadian salary cap's $4.25 million salary cap for 2010. The league announced today the final <laughs> results, yada, 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 yada. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders exceeded the salary cap by $26,677 for 2010. Would you like me to send you the article, Phil? No, uh, that's that's fine, Christopher. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Never mind, it's there. Was do you think 2008 was correct? Because that surprised me. I didn't think they were over in 2008. Uh, it just does. CFL. Maybe, maybe the writer got eight and ten 
confused. They've been over four times. Interesting. Okay. It would be really and, funny. It would be really funny if those four years coincided with every year they won the Great Cup. <laughs> it is. It does. It does it. It does. And they it didn't win fun. in 2008. They didn't win in 2010, did they? No. No. They were in the Grey no. Cup. They didn't win. Okay. 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 Tell me when the when, tell me when the Riders have won the Grey Cup in the last 20 years. 2007. I don't know. Okay. 2007. And 2013. Okay, Phil. What years did you say that they were over the salary cap? Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were slightly over the cap those years. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, in both years that they won the Grey Cup. Slightly. I think that. I mean, I think. Ever so I think I think they should forfeit the cup. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> they cheated. But if that's the case, Christopher, they should have been awarded the Grey Cup in 2009 because they were stupid. <laughs> well, they are stupid. That's beside the point. Okay. And Saskatchewan exceeded the cup in 2008. Which got them nothing because... 2007, 2008, 2010, and 2013. Okay. Who are the other teams that have violated the salary cap? Anybody? I don't. I don't think. Have the Lions ever been over? Or did no, they go over one? Even, no, no, no. No, Wally. Even. Wally would never have done that. No. Um, uh, I don't know. The Montreal, well, we're thinking the Montreal, Montreal did. The Montreal Alouettes were over the cap in 2007 by 115 thousand dollars, and they lost the first round draft pick and were fined 120 thousand, yeah. 21 thousand uh, dollars. In 2008. I believe the no. Then Saskatchewan was over the cap. Two thousand and nine, uh, Winnipeg was over the cap, and in two thousand and fifteen, fourteen, fourteen or fifteen, Hamilton was over the cap. So, Saskatchewan's been over the cap four times. The other eight teams combined have been over the cap three times. Hmm. Hard to argue with facts. So should the should the penalty for being exceeding the salary cap be higher? Yes. Can't win a Grey Cup without Canadian players. Well, Canadian draft is important. Okay, moving on. Trevor Harris hopes to bounce back. From an up and down season in 2019, is he still considered a tier two quarterback? Yes. Has he done anything absolutely awesome and wonderful? No. Has he won a Grey Cup? No. no. I mean, it, 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 it it's really hard to. If you look at the CFL quarterbacks right now, there's only three three. 
quarterbacks that I would put in a in a tier one position. Period. Mm-hmm. Mike Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, and Zach Caleros. And I I don't think there's an argument for that, but go ahead. I think there's only two elite quarterbacks in the CFL. What, Mike Riley and Zach Caleros? I thought you liked Bully by Mitchell. Yeah, okay. <laughs> try harder, Christopher. Try harder. Well, I think Zach's a better quarterback than Bo, so, uh, yeah, he, he would be third yeah, place. But 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 Zach over the last five years doesn't have the body of work. Yes, it was because... He was hurt, okay. Yeah. But but I still don't think he's an elite quarterback. Well, he's been to the Grey Cup three times and won it at once. Okay? Right. But the year but the year he won it, he only played three games that year. Okay? But he won the game. So Yeah, you can't count that. And he didn't win the game. It was the Canadian icon who won the game, not him. <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue with me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Marcus I use Crandall. everybody's stuff what I can, okay? Mar- Marcus Crandall. <laughs> Marcus Crandall. Okay. I still I think Trevor Harris is on his way and I think he came close last year cuz up until he got hurt, he was leading the league. And he was on pace for six thousand yards. Yeah. So. Uh, but 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 we can't elevate him yet. No 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 no. He still to me is just too uh, inconsistent. He's he's getting better, but he still has those games where he just completely um, uh, collapse. Is it him or is it his team? Well, some of his passes are pretty, pretty, can be lame duck ones. You know, yeah. like Mark has always said, he's hot and cold on any given day. Okay? He is. Gotta get more consistent. That's simple. You know, I'm with William in, in his perception of of how Marcus Prandtl started this year and how when he was injured, he was he was actually on pace to set CFL records in passing uh, in in more than one category, more than just passing yards. Uh, it was a, it's a bunch of categories. I think it was about seven categories. He was he was on pace to break records. And you know, I got to think back to when Trevor Harris was the next rookie starter or unknown starter in Toronto that followed Zach Caleros before Zach went to, to Hamilton. And I was at least as impressed as a first year with a first year starter with Trevor Harris as I was with Zach Caleros. And I've continued to be impressed uh, up until maybe his last year in, in Hamilton. But uh, he, he proved it to me here in Edmonton, I thought he would fall off, and I thought the Edmonton offense would fall off with Mike Riley gone. But uh, it, it really didn't, and, and I would have to put him right there with, with those other three that you mentioned. 
Christopher. Hey. As long as you don't try to tell me that uh, Cody Fajardo is the greatest quarterback and elite quarterback in the CFL, we'll be okay. No, like somebody else suggested that maybe Harris hadn't done it yet, like Caleros maybe kind of has. Well, of course, he won a great cup, but uh, I don't think we could put, for that same reason, I don't think we could put Cody Fajardo in this conversation. Thank you. But wait till this year, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you wait. He'll be in. Or out. In or unless out. He's a one and, unless he's a one and done, which we've seen before many times. Absolutely. I mean, just Jonathan Jennings. Yep. Casey Printers. Casey Printers. Yep. Casey Printers. Actually, I think Casey Printers had a lot more than one. Hmm. Yeah, one half. Yep. Kevin Federick. Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't, didn't get even one. Have the one. He didn't have the one. <laughs> oh, you're not just talking about one game. No, 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 we're not. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. five, maybe. Yeah. Okay. We move on. Yes, I, we can do that. Last word on sports article has given rankings to the top QBs of 2010. Wow, did they? Yeah, this is this is laughable. Some of this. Yeah, but what I don't understand. What are they doing between when and when? Between 2010 and 2019. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so the for last the decade, okay. decade, for, the, for the that decade. We're now into a new well, decade, kind of supposedly. What kind of a stupid-ass thing is that? Well, it's not unusual when a decade ends, uh, the best of the decade. You see it a lot, but this list is just kind of laughable. Well, uh, it's hard to argue with, number one, Bo Levi Mitchell. Okay. Uh, yeah. I I I can't argue with that. He has the most amount of wins. He's won a couple of great cups. He's the most outstanding player. He has had the success on the field. Okay. Henry Burris. He won great cups in what two or three different teams? Two different teams. Hard to argue. Home, I think. Didn't he? Did he win? He two? won in Calgary. He won in Ottawa. Won in Calgary. Won in Ottawa. That's right, 2010. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, he, ha- he has been m- successful for, for, all, for all the rest of that. Uh, Mike Riley, uh, great cup in 2013. Okay, so hard, hard to argue that one. It was 2013, wasn't it? Uh, 15, uh, no, 2014. 2014. 14. 14. 2014. Go. The article's got it wrong. Oh, no, no. He won it in 15. Sorry. 2015. That's what I thought. And he was, yeah, and, and MOP 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, agreed. Sorry. I'm just reading the article wrong. Uh, Ricky Ray, number four. Hard to argue that one. Uh, the only thing Anthony I would argue K- about that is I would put him higher. I, well, I would, too. How many... 
Well, when was when did Ricky Ray come into the league? Anybody know? Ricky Ray came in in two thousand and two thousand and two, I think. Yeah, or I think there. so. Okay. Because he he spent two uh-huh. years in this in this argument, he spent two years in Edmonton before he moved over to Toronto. Right. Okay. So, uh, R- Ricky Ray to me is one of the greatest quarterbacks the CFLs have ever had. So, putting him fourth on the list of of these quarterbacks, I, I, I think I would take Ricky Ray over Henry Burris any day of the week. I would too. Okay. Quite truthfully, I I thought Ricky Ray should be number one. To be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I, I couldn't argue. I'm not arguing with the positioning. I'm I'm not when I said Bo Levi Mitchell's up at number one. I, I'm not arguing with that. He is one of the premier quarterbacks of the last decade. I can't argue that fact. And I'm doing that. So I'm I'm not arguing with the placement on him. I'm looking at the quarterbacks. And, and yes, I agree. Ricky Ray should be one or two on this list. Anthony Calvillo, number five. He only played four years in this decade, so it's hard to promote him a little higher because uh, most of it was in, in, in the last century, last millennial. Um, so be it. Darian Durant at six. That's laughable putting him on the list at all, in my opinion, but that's beside the point. Um, yeah, okay. Number seven is Travis Lule. Number eight is Trevor Harris. Number nine is Kevin Glenn. Number ten is Jeremiah Mazzoli. Jeremiah Mazzoli as one of the greatest quarterbacks of the decade. I have a hard quite time frank, with that. I, I, I do. Uh, how I can do. you put how can you put Mazzoli on this thing when and and not Zach Claros? Yeah, Zach Claros yeah, got exactly. the Hamilton Tiger Cats to the playoffs to the Grey Cup twice, and he got. He won it once in Winnipeg. Jeremiah Mazzoli hasn't got to the or got to the Grey Cup what once? No, has he even been no, there? Didn't get there. No, Hamilton hasn't been there since last year for a long time. He got there last year and he wasn't playing. He wasn't playing. Right. It was it was Dane Evans. Yeah, so he's never got right. to the Grey Cup. How, nope. how can you even put him on this list? I don't know. The the. I don't understand that. I love the part, though, under just missed. Drew Willie. Just missed? You, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's not the actual... Just, just, just missed. missed. Matt, Matt, Matt Nichols, Nichols, Drew Willie, Zach Caleros. Really? Really? Matt Nichols. Really, Matt Nichols? Really? I'll give, I'll give him as just miss as compared to Drew Drew Willie. Uh, okay, uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. But if you here, want, here's my, my if if you don't have ten quality quarterbacks, then don't, don't do make your list out of ten. Make, it a make a top five. eight list. Top five list, okay? Don't go top scratching two. the bottom of the barrel just because you want to fill out your list. Okay. <laughs> Drew Willie, oh my God! Just, just th- this this article lost absolutely all credibility. 
by by saying that. I was going to say, the fact that Drew Willie's name even appears in that article makes it a joke. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, you know, quite honestly, I would put Chris Strebler on the list uh, ahead of Drew Willie. Probably. Okay. Well, I might no, even put Jason not, Moss on the list. It's not the top ten Canadians, okay? It's the top ten quarterbacks. So there's there, there's no there's no Canadian on this list. Well, the knowledge well, in the there writers, would be there would be if Strebler was on there. No, he's a Canadian legend. He's not a Canadian. Yeah, he's not a he's not a Canadian. But it's the same thing. Come on. No, he's a legend in Canada. Okay, the huge difference, my friend. Allegedly. Huge, huge difference. The knowledge of the writer is very evident when he gets down to numbers six and seven. When he chose Darian Durant above Travis Lule, I think back to the uh, 2011 Western semifinal, or sorry, the 2010 Western semifinal, when... Uh, uh, the BC Lions were not a very talented football team in 2010, and they had a first-year starter in Travis Lule. Uh, the Riders, with a, with a very, very talented team, did defeat the BC Lions in the Western semifinal, but it was no easy game. And Travis Lule outshone Darian Durant in that game in a way that exposed the weaknesses. And, and coming from me, Gentlemen, you should. Yep. This is means something. It exposed the weaknesses of the quarterbacking of Darian Durant in a way that that I hadn't even noticed before. The the knowledge and and the ability to, to check off receivers downfield by Travis Lule on the fly and to manage the game on the fly with with a, a much much poorer offensive line and and probably not as strong as a receiver core. Was was evident to to anybody with football acumen at all, and obviously the, the the person that wrote this story and put this this order out never watched that game. I don't think he watched or any did, football. I think he just he went did, from he the stat sheet. And just bring that game up on YouTube, and and it's one of the best estimates. I, I thought Travis Lule was going to have a very long career in the CFL and would maybe even put up some numbers like Anthony Calvillo in the end. But, of course, injuries shortened his career after watching that game. Yeah, I, I would have thought that he would have. His, his abilities were amazing. Okay. Um, where are we on this game? Okay, we got 14 minutes left. Uh, we are kind of finished this thing. Uh, what other things that you guys want to touch about? Because we were talk- saying we were going to talk about a couple of things. Anything? Uh, there's something you said you wanted to address earlier, right at the beginning. I'm just trying to remember what it was. Well, I think it was football yeah. 2.0. Right. CFL yes. 2.0. And That's I think right. we did that in in length. And, and I hope much to the satisfaction of Phil, who was requesting that. Mm-hmm. Okay, who's got a subject? Um, 
I got a question for you guys that got to meet with the with the commissioner. You got any more funny stories? Anecdotes? Anything? No, I I think I covered everything that I actually absorbed. Um, was Randy alone, or did he have anybody else from the CFL office who was uh, like no no no, no. no he he, he was he was alone he was alone mm-hmm. he sat at the head yeah. of the table with with uh, Rick and uh, and then there was a uh, a couple of uh, four or five BC Lion employees that were scattered yep. amongst the group. And then there was, I think I counted about 15 uh, non-Lion personnel. Is that right? I had yeah, read uh, close to 15. 15. I would think they're probably pretty, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. I uh, had read some stories that when he went to Regina, uh, he had limited, of course, every every meeting, I believe, to 15 uh, outside of league people to come and speak. And, of course, in Regina, that was causing problems. And it got to the point where they actually stopped uh, reporting where and when the meeting was going to happen because there was, you know, the interest was kind of mounting and people were asking, can I go, can I go? Keep showing up. You know, and uh, they just didn't want too many people showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of people that showed up, and that's that, Todd Mulgee got uh, the honor of uh, going to Winnipeg, and uh, yep. good for him. And and he thoroughly enjoyed it, and he actually got to ask Randy a question, which most people did not. And uh, I actually don't remember. He did tell us what it was about, but I've forgotten that now. Okay, Jovan Johnson reti- retired. Yeah. After signing a one-day contract with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, I don't see that as news. I think that was kind of expected. Um, and I've mentioned to you guys numerous times that uh, um, Nick Lewis has a podcast now. Yes. And he had he had something last week called the Lunatic Hour. Okay. And he had uh, Sean Lemon on, Willie Jefferson, uh, uh, what's his name? <sighs> Come on. <laughs> the guy in Saskatchewan. The sack leader. Oh, my oh Charleston God. Hughes? Charleston Hughes. Charleston, Charleston Hughes and the longtime defensive end in Montreal. John yeah, and it was it was quite it was quite an hour. It was quite interesting. Every five minutes, Sean Lemon would say they'd ask him how to answer a question, and he'd say, "I don't have a job," and they'd laugh and keep on going. Okay, and it was, I don't have a job, and he said he's going for the all-time sack leader in the CFL, but he doesn't have a job. But he does have a just job. constantly. It was it was pretty funny. But I don't have a job. I, you I can relate to him. John, what's his name from Montreal? What's his last name? Bowman. John Bowman. Bowman. He is the sack leader right now in the CFL. Active. Yeah. He's actually ahead yeah. of Charleston Hughes. 
and Charleston Hughes heard- is only six sacks. Charleston Hughes is only six sacks behind him. So. Nick Lewis has a has a real future in in uh, media and hopefully covering the CFL and yep. and uh, there's been some push on social media to get him on the TSN panel and I'm all for that and uh, I heard him on the Rod Peterson show the other day and he was advising uh, I can't remember who was just oh naming Roosevelt who just got who just signed in Montreal he says uh, hang with John Bowman he'll introduce you to the right people yeah. John Bowman was pretty. He was the humblest out of all of them. So, yeah. okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to touch base. Uh, to, to signed a new or extended our deal with the TSN. Right. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a, a new five-year deal. The uh, previous deal was to expire in, at the end of 2021. And the question is, why did we extend it now as opposed to waiting till later? Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously, uh, consistency and uh, securing your future uh, means a lot. Uh, could they have got more money if they opened the competition up to, like, CTV and Sportsnet? And I know CTV and, and is part of the Bell Network, so it, they kind of compete with TSN, but they are actually a network uh, on network television as opposed to cable TV. Um, why TSN? Why continue this? Well, consistency. And uh, they increased their revenue $4 million per year, uh, which, uh, you know, it's is not small change. It's not chump change. It's almost half a million dollars per team, and half a million dollars is, uh, you know, a quarterback, unless you're in Calgary or B.C. Um, so uh, I, I'm, it, it's a good thing. I, I, I don't have a problem with the extension of this deal. A lot of people say that, well, they have to do it. It's the only revenue that the CFL is getting. No, we're getting revenue from ESPN. We get revenue from uh, uh, merchandise sales and uh, and ticket sales, and it, we get uh, money from uh, two sources in Mexico and one in Germany. Uh, of course, they don't. They don't come anywhere near the the forty some odd plus million dollars that TSN gives us every year. But uh, nobody participates the way that TSN does. The the downside that I see in this contract is there was no provision for digital broadcasting. I think the CFLs really dropped the ball. Uh, they needed to either demand the rights to digitally broadcast this game or they needed to force TSN to do it. And the only way that you can honestly get TSN right now actively is is if you have a cable subscription to one of the cable broadcasters. And yes, you can now digitally um, drop TSN for X amount of money per month but it's it. Why would I do that? I don't need TSN for the entire month. I need TSN during for certain CFL games. Uh, pay per view, maybe. Uh, you know, five bucks a game. I'd pay five bucks a game to watch a, a CFL game on TV. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer here is. Uh, I I wish that there was some type of provision for it to happen. You want to get more of the millennials into this game? Oh, oh. Oh, Charles, do you remember that? Yes. 
Okay, uh, let's see. Yep. What we got? We have four minutes one. left in the thing. Oh, um, CFL, uh, the Board of Governors is pushing towards uh, CFL betting. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only on uh, games, results of the games, the spreads of the games, the points, the over-unders. Uh, they're actually looking at um, uh, betting on plays where you can bet 10 cents on whether this, uh, this was going to be a passing play or a running play. Uh, very quick, very active on online type of things. And this is really what is going to attract a lot of millennials to the game because they're doing this right now with many of the other sports in the world. Um, So, so this looks like it may be a real huge money that will revenue stream that will come to the CFL, but also it's going to create fans because they're going to follow the games. They're going to follow, find out whether or not this, this play is going to work, yada, yada, yada. Um, Huge, huge in my books. I forgot all about that, and I don't really, not sure if we have time to discuss it any further than that. Um, but yeah, this is this is pretty big. Uh, William, what do you think? You know, I know lots of younger people that know nothing about football, but they spend all their money betting on NFL games, and that's why mm-hmm. they follow it. They know nothing yeah. about football, and yeah. yeah, I guess it attracts them. So, and so would we ca- would we like, attract Canadian millennials to the CFL game? Mm-hmm. I think so. And if and if I had that opportunity, I'd probably bet on those games too. Yep. So I would. I, I, it doesn't mean I'd win. I, I always bet on the Lions. I, I never bet against them, but I rarely bet on them. So you know, yeah. Okay. Um, Phil, what's your thoughts on this one? In the classic era of the NFL, which I call the mid-1970s, when they were very, very interesting but didn't have a lot of income, in fact, per team, they were below the CFL in income, uh, they, that's when betting took off. That's when Vegas got a hold of the NFL and really took off of betting, and look what it's done in the NFL ever since. And betting has been credited with giving the NFL the platform and and the growth that it has had ever since 1975. Wow, I did not know that. Makes sense. It's totally and completely logical. Charles? Yeah, I got anything uh, more to add? I think it's a smart idea. I mean, you look at, especially when it comes down to like the Super Bowl and stuff like that, these prop bets uh, are big, they're huge money, and this, this really could be a good money maker for the league. So I think it's a very smart idea. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. And so we're, we're out of. Anything that gives the CFL more exposure is a good thing. Yep. So y- y- you just really got to get out of your, your head up your ass, um, backward. Uh, prohibition type of attitude on things, and welcome and embrace it. Yep, and, and I agree. Just go forward, go go forward and do it. Okay, uh, this has been Let's Talk CFL podcast episode number four hundred and twenty-five. I'm your host Christopher Jones. I'd like to thank my panel for uh, joining us and Charles for uh, hanging out with me last night. Uh, I really enjoyed myself. And uh, yes, it was good. Bobbleheads, bobbleheads. I, I know. Think? Okay. Say good night, my friend. Good night, folks. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you in a week. Okay. Uh, Phil, hurry up.
Sorry. Good night, CFL fans. Don't forget millennials. Sounds like betting is coming to CFL. Yeah. William, my friend. Good night, everybody. Go else. Yeah, I'm not going to give anything to Mark. I, you know, the guy doesn't show up. So what if he's got to work in the morning? I really, you know, we got to get committed people on this podcast. Okay, you guys have a good one. Take care, and we'll talk to you in a week, if not sooner.